Dr. Patty Sadala. Welcome to my Experience Jesus podcast. In this how-to and identity episode, we will explore God's name, Jehovah Jireh, and learn how to cooperate with God's supernatural provision. Of all the biblical names of God commonly used in Christian circles, Jehovah Jireh is at the top of the list. The name literally means the Lord will provide. Yet many who think they know this name generally have a limited understanding of it. Jehovah Jireh is a compound name of God, or as I like to describe it, it's a doesness name of God. Jehovah includes the fullness of all that God is, or like I like to call it, his isness. Jehovah includes his omnipotence, omnipresence, omnibenevolence, and omniscience. All that he was, is, and ever will be apart from us. We cannot be a factor in God's isness because he is the omni-God before he created the heavens and the earth or anything at all. When you add the word Jireh to the name Jehovah, you add everything that he is to everything that he promises to do for us in the area of supernatural provision. So Jehovah Jireh's provision will not be constrained by any worldly or natural limitations. Abraham gave God this name in Genesis chapter 22, after his trying test where he was asked to sacrifice his son Isaac, and then the Lord stayed his hand. Genesis 22, 7 and 8 says, And Isaac said to Abraham, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. And Isaac said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself a lamb for the burnt offering. So the two walked together. The word for provide used in this verse is ra'ah, which means to see, appeared, displayed, give attention, face, make me see, looking, observing, perceiving, understand, view or watch, Keep looking, see plainly. Give me understanding, watching, and provision. It's an interesting list. Have you noticed that it's mostly about your eyes? Abraham was anchored by the promise that the Lord gave him that the descendants from Isaac would number the grains of the sand on the seashore and the stars in the sky. In Hebrews 11, 17-19, it says, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested... That is, the testing of his faith was still in progress. Offered up Isaac, and he would have received the promise of God, was ready to sacrifice his only son of promise, to whom it was said, Through Isaac your descendants shall be called. For he considered it reasonable to believe that God was able to raise Isaac from the dead, indeed in the sense that he was prepared to sacrifice Isaac in obedience to God, Abraham did receive him back from the dead, figuratively speaking. The story continues in Genesis 12-14. The Lord said, Do not reach out with the knife in your hand against the boy, and do not harm him. For now I know that you fear God with reverence and profound respect, since you have not withheld from me your son, your only son of promise. Then Abraham looked up and glanced around, and behold, Behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham named the place 
the Lord will provide. And it is said to this day, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be seen and provided. The Lord said, because you have obeyed. The word obeyed in this verse means shamata, and it means listened obediently, paid attention, listened, heard for certain, paid heed, proclaimed and understood, witnessed to my voice about your promise. You have proved your faith that you actively believe and you did not kill your son. Notice that he saw, he heard, and he obeyed. We must see and listen obediently for the Lord to provide. To listen obediently is to take action to what you've heard according to what God has directed. There was a fascinating scientific discovery in quantum physics that when you look at something, it changes. Scientists call this the observer effect. In 1998, Wiseman Institute researchers were studying how electrons behaved at the submicron level. I have a link below on the pattyej.podbean.com site in this episode that gives you a short demonstration of what they were studying and what they learned. A machine shot photons, which is light atoms, through a slit in a metal panel to the back surface to see what patterns that they made when they hit the back wall. The atoms hit the back wall in little dots that formed the shape of the slit. Then they tried it with two slits on the metal panel, and they saw two columns of dots. Their conclusion was that photons behaved like particles. They wanted to understand this more, so they created a machine that could see this activity at the atomic level to observe what was going on and measure it with microscopic accuracy. This machine was set up like a microscopic eyeball to observe carefully and slowly the behavior of the photons close up. The strangest thing happened when they did that. The photons started to behave like waves instead of particles. Waves roll like ripples, and because the atoms were waving out through the slits, they began to bump into each other, so it was no longer two lines but patterns that look like waves. The only change in the control of this experiment was observation. Scientists concluded that looking at something changes it. As they looked at the data, they watched the atoms flatten and transform. Scientists called this phenomena the observer effect, and it's been proven many, many times since 1998. They've seen that happen over and over again in scientific circles. God is a God of creation, and God created those light atoms. And what we learn is that when we fix our eyes on Jesus, and when we look at him, we are transformed. When you look at him, you are elevated to his perspective. You shift from looking at the natural to looking through his eyes and feeling with his heart and thinking through his thoughts. Hebrews 2, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, who by faith have testified to the truth of God's absolute faithfulness, stripping off every unnecessary weight and the sin which so easily and cleverly entangles us, let us run with endurance and active persistence the race that is set before us, looking away from all that distracts us and focusing our eyes on Jesus, 
who is the author and perfecter of our faith, the first incentive for our belief and the one who brings our faith to maturity, who for the joy of accomplishing the goal set before him endured the cross, disregarding the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, revealing his deity, his authority, and completion of his work. As cool and interesting as it is that when we look at Jesus, we are transformed, one of the things that I've learned is that when Jesus looks at you, he is transformed. Now, what do I mean by that? He becomes motivated to act on your behalf. When you fix your eyes on him, it causes him to look back at you and his favor flows where his eyes are looking. When you engage with Jesus in your special place and have encounters with him, and he speaks to you, and you begin to agree with his truth, your body begins to agree with that truth at the cellular level, and there's science that backs that up. Encounters with God that you have on these podcasts or in any of my books are not just figments of your imagination. They are powerfully transforming you because you're actually encountering God himself. Seeing and hearing are both involved in the transformation process, and both are equally important. Romans 10.17 says, So faith comes from hearing, and what is heard comes from the preaching of the message concerning Christ. I asked the Lord about hearing and speaking, and this is what he said. I need you to do your part. That is, stay close to me so that you can speak in agreement with what I'm saying for you to do. In this way, you will learn how to become fully equipped to live and serve out the full anointing of the Holy Spirit. Then when you are able, you will help others to do the same. Together, we will create a mighty wave that can rock the very foundation of the shaky nation on earth. What we do creates waves and ripples and affects other people. When a spirit-anointed person prays out loud in agreement with my will, they activate my power and nothing can stop my will and kingdom plan. Isaiah 55.10 says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth, making it bear and sprout, and providing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word be which goes out of my mouth, it will not return to me void, that is, useless or without result, without accomplishing what I desire, and without succeeding in the manner for which I have sent it. There is power when we speak God's word and promises out loud. When we speak out loud, we release the creation vibrations of God's will. This is what Jesus had to say about that. This is my heart for the nations and for the world. It's like the Horton hears a who. When the small people on the speck believe the voice, they came together and they made their voice heard. When you do the same, I will magnify, multiply, and act powerfully in your favor. Be persistent, be faithful, and relentless in your hunger and thirst for me and my time and my plan. Stay connected to the vine so you can produce a healthy fruit. There are two clips from the Horton hears a who movie on the pattyej.podbean.com site for this episode. In this Dr. Seuss classic, Horton is a big elephant in a big world, and the Who's are tiny little beings who live in a world that is a speck on top of a flower. Horton needed to convince the Who's that their whole world was in danger if they didn't make themselves heard. And so he encouraged them to make as much noise as possible 
so that the animals in his world would believe they existed and not destroy them. In the first film clip, we see that Horton has been able to convince the town that it is absolutely necessary for their voice to be heard in order to be saved. So every single person in the town is doing their best to make as much noise as possible. And Horton is doing his best to make sure that they don't drop the speck into a boiling water. In the second clip, we see how Jojo figures out a way to magnify the, the noise so that they can be heard and their world was saved. For me, these film clips represent what it means to unify and believe God for the promises that he has and to speak them out loud until people can actively hear, and that means to be motivated to do something about it when they hear. This is an interesting kingdom season, and all the body of Christ needs to speak up and wake up the body of Christ to see what truth is the Lord speaking right now and how can we unify and agree with it. God's supernatural provision is not limited to physical needs. He also provides supernatural guidance. Chris Castro and I were long-distance acquaintances about eight years before this story began. I knew her as an online colleague when we belonged to the same website platform, Marketing Community. We were connected on LinkedIn and Facebook, but we were not intimate friends. I received a call from her asking if she could come and stay in Cleveland and spend two nights at my house. I'm not sure why it was so easy to say yes to that request, other than I sensed that it was God's idea. And George and I welcomed her into our home. Ours was one of 64 such stops. In Chris's approximately 14,000-mile journey over about a six-month period of time, guided one step and one day at a time by the Lord's direction. It all started with a prophetic message. Here's what Chris had to say about that. On June 6th of 2018, a prophetic word from Mary held. It was about a month before God invited me on this adventure. The prophetic word said, I'm underneath a glass floor. I see you walking, and then you stop, and then you walk again. As you were walking, you were looking down because you couldn't see the floor. The Lord said you're going to have seasons in this transition of life, and you will go on a journey where you step. You're not even sure there's something to step on here, but you're going to do it. I just encourage you that he is your floor. It may appear that there's no floor to step out on, but your faith will take you there. Chris shared that about a month after that prophetic message, she was really frustrated with her finances, and she flippantly said to the Lord, I might as well just live in my car. And before she knew it, the Lord was saying, well, all right. It was hard for her to believe that the Lord was actually directing her to go across the country without even knowing where she was going to lay her head. Sometimes she wouldn't even know until 24 to 48 hours where she was supposed to go next and who was going to put her up for the night from Celebrate Recovery. So she had to trust God for those steps that she couldn't see. She needed to trust God one day at a time, literally, to get her through this adventure. Chris knew that God wanted her to be in Cleveland and didn't have any Celebrate Recovery people in this area to contact. God brought me to mind and she contacted me. I was not connected in any way to Celebrate Recovery that I knew of. But when Chris visited us, she joined my Spirit Life Circle meeting 
and one of the ladies in that group knew of a person who used to lead those meetings. The weirdest thing about that was that this man was a college friend of mine that I hadn't talked to in a very long time, but I still had his phone number. We were able to connect with him the next day. Coincidence? There's no such thing with God. I called Chris and interviewed her so I could include her reflections about her journey now, more than two years past that experience. I asked her to share some of her learnings from that adventure and hear the highlights of what she said. God is really who he says he is, and you can only really know that experientially. I had never experienced his goodness, protection, faithfulness, provision, and direction so fully and personally before this adventure. I came back knowing who he is. God has brought me so far now. I have developed a lifestyle of cliff jumping with the Lord. If he could pull me through that, I can jump off any cliff for him. I know he's got me. Through this crazy road trip journey, I have truly learned what radical obedience looks like. I understand experientially the peace that surpasses understanding and learn the power of a mighty story. She had, and still does at the time of this podcast airing, a real beater of a car with now close to 300,000 miles on it. My husband George was really concerned that she was not going to make it across the country, serviced her car for her while she was with us. It made it all the way to Washington State before breaking down and needing a five-day repair break. This was an opportunity for the Lord to show her his mighty provision by providing the additional housing and full repair costs. Chris recorded her adventure in a vlog and made it a practice of taking photos with each family that took her in. This story and the photo of us will be in the Encountering the Direction of God book that I'll be releasing in 2022. Today, Chris's ministry is to help people tell their stories to advance kingdom purposes and to learn how to live according to godly principles. For more information about her journey, her ministry, and to check out her book, Crazy Might Be a Blessing in Disguise, check out her website at begintoshift.com. And the link to that is below in the pattyej.podbean.com site for this episode. The Bible is full of stories of God's miraculous provision. In 2 Kings 2, 4, 1 through 7, we hear the story of Elisha and the widow. Now one of the wives of a man of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha for help, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant reverently feared the Lord, but the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves in payment for a loan. Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have of value in the house? She said, Your maidservant has nothing in the house except for a small jar of olive oil. Then he said, Go borrow containers from all of your neighbors, empty containers, and not just a few. Then you shall go and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour out the olive oil you have into these containers and you shall set aside each one when it's full. So she left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They were bringing her the containers as she poured the oil. When the containers were all full, she said to her son, bring me another container. And he said to her, there is none left. Then the oil stopped multiplying. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go and sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons can live on the rest. This woman obeyed the request that seemed illogical. 
She offered what she had, and God multiplied it. She offered faith, obedience, and a small amount of oil, and that faithful act of obedience was what it took for the supernatural provider to show up and provide enough to pay off her debts and keep her and her sons alive through the season of famine and lack. Among other wondrous biblical stories, there is obviously the miracle of the reigning of manna that lasted for 40 years. See Exodus 16. They refer to it as the bread of heaven because it fell from the sky six days a week and fed the Israelites for 40 years. It was just enough for each day. If they tried to save it, it would be infested with mealyworm bugs the next day. It did not fall on the Sabbath because they were not allowed to work on the Sabbath. So, the day before the Sabbath, a double portion would fall and be collected. This was a sign of the Lord supernaturally caring for the physical needs of his people. God provided manna to sustain the Israelites in the wilderness physically, and he sent Jesus to provide for our spiritual needs. Jesus referred to himself as the bread of life. In John 6.35, Jesus replied to them, I am the bread of life. The one who comes to me will never be hungry, and the one who believes in me as Savior will never be thirsty for that one will be sustained spiritually. My friend Jeanette shared with me the story of God's supernatural provision for her family. Jeanette and her husband, Denny, had twins about to graduate from high school and head off to college. They had a third child who would be graduating only two years after her brothers. So there would be a season with three kids in college. Jeanette will take the story from here and share her own testimony. She said, Spencer was a stellar student, actively involved in school and sports, and graduated in the top 10 of his class. In addition, he was very focused on wanting to earn a degree in engineering, thus narrowing his choices of colleges to attend upon graduation from high school. It seemed like it should be an easy decision of where to attend and that some financial assistance could be obtained. Boy, were we wrong. After being tossed around by his first college choice, we eventually received a word that he was not accepted. We were at a complete loss. None of the other schools were offering him any money or other loans, and we didn't know what we were going to do. Then one day, while my husband and I were talking about it with Spencer, the Lord spoke in his so gentle voice to me and said, Have you asked Spencer the desire of his heart? Because I put it there. Immediately, I halted our conversation and asked Spencer if he could go anywhere regardless of money. Where would he want to go? And he answered, the University of Cincinnati. Knowing that it was about $25,000 a year, and that despite all of Spencer's hard efforts during high school, he didn't receive one dime of assistance, we weren't sure how we were going to pay for it. Sure, loans were available, but my husband, Denny, said, loans aren't aid, they're a burden. So we were hurt. In Spencer's words, what else could I have done? With tear-filled eyes, we had no answer. So I looked to God and said, you need to figure this out. And sure enough, the Lord did figure it out. Just not the way we would have preferred. His plan was for Denny to lose his job. Yes, two weeks after Spencer's decision and with two boys set off to go to college in the fall, our main source of income was swept away and no unemployment was received. And with that, we contacted financial aid, hoping to receive a small amount of aid. 
All summer long, nothing different happened. No words on any aid. We just assumed that it didn't matter. Less than a week before tuition was due, we received a notice that our financial aid status had changed. We had no idea what that meant, and upon calling the university, they had no idea either. Not seeing or hearing anything, we nearly drained an account and paid the tuition bill the day before it was due. Then, as God would have it, after that act of obedience of us paying the bill, God paid us. We received a credit in our account the very day the tuition was due, and not just for one semester, but for two The amount was five times as much as we were hoping for. Only God can do that. We learned a valuable lesson. God's ways are indeed higher than ours. Since then, we have continued to be blessed. The program Spencer is enrolled in is designed in such that several paid co-ops are required for the degree. Thus, Spencer can work and earn money one semester and turn around and pay the next. God knew all along we were going to be able to afford this. And I should note that Spencer's first school of choice does not even have such a program. What a blessing that he didn't get accepted into the school, as he would have had to have taken a large loan for sure. Praise God. He knew the better path for us. We also experienced many other financial blessings during the 10 weeks that Danny was unemployed. Truly miracles. God showed us he is our provider, and since then we have never worried about provision. God is our source. Jeanette Chamberlain. God's ways are different than ours, and we need to remember to not tell him how he's supposed to do it and don't pray below God's best. Just enough to meet your natural situation need is not God's plan for you. Pray God's best. You don't need to know what that means. Just trust that he knows what that means. Okay, let's talk about the principle of sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping is a supernatural law. We understand and respect the natural law of gravity. This spiritual principle is no less of a law. This law is not limited to the provision of natural resources. It works for everything. Your words, your thoughts, your heart posture, and your actions. What you sow, you reap. A tree does not bear a different fruit than its seed ordains. Everything is a seed. The seed is the design of things. It holds the capability of future outcomes. If you are a person who speaks negativity or of lack and hopelessness, then you will reap those things. Saying things like, I will never lose weight. I will always live paycheck to paycheck will cause those seeds to be planted in your heart, and that is the fruit that they will bear. God created everything in the universe by speaking. His words create, and we are created in his image. Our words are seeds that are sown to create and reap our future realities. Be careful how you use your words. Do you speak hope or hopelessness, health or sickness, forgiveness or unforgiveness? Your words set in motion those realities. Consistency is important. So consistently, reap consistently. If you imagine a spiritual gas tank that gets filled up by the intimacy with Jesus, which is a spiritually true concept, seeking God's face as a holy habit daily, where you are in the word, spending time with him in worship and praise, will have you living a life with a filled up spiritual tank. 
When you have a filled tank, your anointing is increased and you can have so much anointing that there's an overflow to serve and release God's love in your sphere of influence. Now, if you only fix your eyes on God once a week at church or on holidays or only when things are going crazy in your life, then you're living a life with a spiritually empty tank. This ruins your spiritual engine and negativity begins to affect your health and relationships. Sow your time, talents, and treasures consistently, and you will always have enough to get you through whatever life throws at you. More important than consistency is your heart posture. God speaks the language of the heart and knows your true motivation. Going to church three times a week and resenting it the entire time you're there will lead to negative reaping consequences. When you sow grudgingly, it doesn't count as positive sowing, but actually negative sowing. Because what you're really sowing is resentment or stinginess. Sowing with the heart of gratitude is the kind that reaps blessings. With the proper heart posture, you know that all you have is God's anyway. So giving 10% is the minimum you would want to give when your heart wants to use it all for God's glory. This kind of sowing brings you joy as well as other blessings. Luke 6.36 says, Give it and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. To be a receiver of multiplied plenty from the Lord, you must be a gracious giver. The first time I was at Bethel Cleveland, a pastor at the pulpit said, It's offering time. And the folks were, woohoo! I looked around in confusion about that, but I learned what they already knew. Giving with a heart of gratitude returns multiplied. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. This is God's way, and it is revealed in nature. There's five seeds in every apple. It only takes one seed to grow an apple tree. And on average, a mature apple tree will reap 300 apples. God is a God of multiplication. And it's not simple multiplication. It's X-factor multiplication. Knowing this important principle, it makes sense to speak a prayer over each tithe and offering. Tell him your heart for how you'd like to see it multiplied. This brings me back to our definition of provision of God being connected to seeing with the eyes of your heart what the Lord is doing so you can agree with him. Pay attention because he multiplies in a way you may not connect to your sowing in the natural. You can see that truth in Jeanette's story. Another secret is that there is power in thank you. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In every situation, no matter what the circumstances... Be thankful and continually give thanks to God, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. When we show our gratitude even for life challenges, the Lord takes that as sowing in fertile seed and will teach you a lesson that will bring back abundantly when you have a heart of gratitude for God, regardless of your circumstances. God wants to bless you. It's one of the reasons he came. John 10.10 says, the thief comes in order to steal and kill and destroy. 
I came that they may have life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Abraham, David, Solomon, Job were counted as God's favored people and they were all wealthy. God prospered them to be wealthy. So how do we contrast that reality with the verse in Matthew 19:24 that says, Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man who places his faith in wealth and status to enter the kingdom of God. The key difference is heart posture. Is the person selfish or selfless? Many people feel like they're quoting a verse when they say money is the root of all evil and speak harshly against anything about life and abundance and wealth as though it would be a completely against God's will. They call this the prosperity gospel, as if prosperity is an evil thing. 1 Timothy 6.10 actually says, For the love of money, that is, the greedy desire for it and the willingness to gain it unethically, is a root of all sorts of evil, and some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves through and through with many sorrows. This verse clarifies that it is a heart posture of somebody worshiping money over God that gets them into trouble. The difference is 100% about your heart posture. Jesus talked to me about this while I was taking a Fulfill Financial Destiny class for my doctoral program. And he said, this idea of planting your tithes and offerings is a new idea for you. And I would like to see you activate this idea as you are giving, give in a prayerful way, thanking me for your provision and asking me to seed it, grow it, and multiply it. This simple prayer will make a huge difference in your life. Test me in this. I also would like for you to practice speaking out loud your faith about money. Remind me in your prayers that I am your provider, I am your shepherd, and I am the author of your life. And trust me to be the promise-keeping God that I am. The parable of the talents teaches us that we can be trusted with little. God will trust us with more. See Matthew 25, 14 to 30. The Lord rebuked the man who hid the talent in the ground and did not multiply it. He called him wicked. All gifts from God are there to be used for God's glory, and he will multiply them. Selfishness blocks God's provision. Humility opens the floodgates of heavenly resources on your behalf. Be careful not to push away God's blessings without even realizing it because of the lie of unworthiness. When someone offers to pay for your lunch or do you a favor, do you politely refuse? Perhaps you're robbing that person of sowing a blessing. Don't push away God's blessings. A seed not sown does not multiply. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 8 says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each one should give what he has in his heart to give, not out of regret or compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in him in every good work. In our experience today with Jehovah Jireh, we're going to ask him to give us a picture of what it looks like for him to be free to give us what he would have for us. 
If this is your first podcast experience with us, you may want to go back to the trailer episode and learn about the biblical foundation for dialogue journaling, our process for experiencing Jesus. This leads you through the first special place encounter with Jesus as a child. This is a starting point for all of our experiences with Jesus. For best results, it is always good to properly posture your heart for your experience by welcoming Jesus' presence with praise and thanksgiving and playing with him in the special place as a child for a few minutes before asking for anything from him. Today in your special place, we're going to ask Jesus to do a specific thing with you. Imagine from your special place, you and Jesus are walking to a river. Jesus is holding your childlike hand and walking you to a river. It's a gentle stream, so it's not really a heavy water flow. And you walk into the river up to about your waist. Jesus tells you to make two fists. You see Jesus take a pitcher and scoop some river water into the pitcher and he pours it over your fisted hands. Notice how much of that water you can retain in fisted hands. Nothing. And now he asks for you to cup your hands so he can show you what else he has for you. And now your hands are able to hold on to some of the water. And then it starts to overflow over the sides of your hands. Listen to Jesus as he explains to you what this symbolizes in your life personally. What exactly would that water represent in your life that you would be able to overflow to others if your heart was postured properly in sowing and reaping your time, your treasures, and your talents for the Lord? And then notice how the flowing water begins to make the water level rise in the river. Ask him to explain what that means. Take all the time you need and make sure you capture your experience in your journal. I hope you and Jesus had a wonderful time and he was able to give you some clarity about what he'd like to provide for you supernaturally when your heart is properly postured. And I hope you will join us on this podcast adventure. Follow this podcast and forward it to others that you think may be blessed by it. And check out all the links below. They are designed to take you deeper. I thank God for you and bless you in Jesus' name.